65 years ago today, Rosa Parks was arrested for not giving up her seat to a white passenger. We're going to be talking with the curator of the Rosa Parks Museum on This Is Today. Welcome to This Is Today, the podcast that features the stories that make this day unique. It's Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. I'm Russ, and here's what you need to know about today. So it is National Christmas Lights Day. Now, I did this over the weekend. I did it on Friday. It's always my tradition, Black Friday. It's like, put out the Christmas lights, do it. It uh, usually takes me all day. I'm out there at night. It, it's not that much that I put out there. It just takes me forever because I'm one of those perfectionists on the lights. They have to be in like that straight line. Yeah, that's just, you know, who I am. I, I don't do the Clark Griswold thing and, you know, take over the whole roof and all that stuff. Very simple, but it takes me forever. So today uh, is a great day for you guys to put up your Christmas lights. Uh, it, it's a Tuesday, however. So uh, I don't know, you know, if you're working, I don't know when you're going to be able to get that uh, done today. But maybe, uh, you know, if you're working from home, take a lunch. Go out, put up your Christmas lights. Do it tonight. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Christmas lights day today. Uh, it is also National Handwashing Awareness Week. Uh, do we really need that this year? I think we're all very aware that we need to <laughs> wash our hands all the time. Even the uh, the, I, the uh, Apple Watch, uh, it reminds me to wash my hands when I get home. So uh, keep doing it. Do what you're doing. Uh, you're doing great. Uh, keep washing your hands. Yeah. You know, it always weirds me out that they have to do commercials on TV for telling you to, you know, wash your hands and politicians are saying wash your hands and things like that. I just do it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a germaphobe. Okay. So I'm a perfectionist with the lights and a germaphobe. That's what we figured out so far on this podcast. Okay. So today is also World AIDS Day, and you can learn more information about that at worldaidsday.org. Uh, this is a fundraiser. They would like you to wear a red ribbon today, if possible. They're uh, available on their website. You could purchase one. I know you're not going to get it today, but you can have that ready for next year. This does come along um, every December 1st. So uh, wear the red ribbon. Uh, support the charity if you can. HIV has taken the lives of about 33 million people so far. Right now, 38 million people are living with HIV. The treatments and the knowledge have improved over the years. However, there's still a need to increase awareness, fight prejudice, and improve education. And that is what WorldAidsDay.org does. All right, let's move now to our events for today. In 1913, Ford Motor Company introduced the first moving assembly line. Yeah, they've done the assembly line thing. We've talked about that before on the podcast. This, of course, was for the Model T. However, on this day, the assembly line started actually moving. So prior to this, people were moving instead of the assembly line moving. Now, a belt system would drive essentially the car through the plant so that workers could do the various steps in order to put together the car. There's 84 different steps in the assembly process, and workers were only trained in one. That way they could get great at just one task and just do it over and over and over again throughout the day. It may sound boring to do the same thing over and over again, but these workers were really well paid. And also, because of this assembly line process, Ford actually passed the savings on to the customers. These cars sold somewhere between $260 and $850, which back then was a great deal for a car. Okay, so the car, the Model T, 
was introduced in 1908. We're talking about 1913 here. 1914 to 1925. Okay, you've heard that you know could get any car as long as it's black. Those were the years where he only created black cars from 1914 to 1925. Prior to that, you could actually get them in red, gray, and green. And then after that, same thing. You could get them in red, gray, or green. Throughout the years of the Model T selling, 15 million were sold. Okay, so this whole band thing of like just moving through the assembly line on a band, uh, they use this just about everywhere now. The breweries started using it. Um, canneries started using it. Flour mills used it. And then even, okay, and this was a disassembly plant, but uh, animal plants would use this to disassemble carcasses. Ew. Yeah, that's just gross. Okay. Uh, we've got a great interview coming up in just a minute. We're going to talk with the curator of the Rosa Parks Museum, which is located at Troy University in Montgomery, Alabama. We will talk to her right after this. Welcome back. So today is a anniversary, the 65th anniversary of an event that took place that significantly changed the world. And we're going to learn more about that today. So we are talking with Madeline Burkhardt. She is the curator and adult education coordinator at the Rosa Parks Museum at Troy University in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Madeline, thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having us. There are probably some people out there that haven't heard what happened and, and they know the name Rosa Parks, but they may not know about the event. Can you tell us about the event that took place on this day 65 years ago? Sure. So a lot of people do know the name Rosa Parks, like you said, but a lot of people don't realize maybe the amount of planning and bravery that went into making this event happen that ended up changing you know, the course of history and the world. I mean, she's known all around the world now. We just had a school in Paris actually reach out to us wanting to rename their school in Paris after her. So her legacy oh, is wow, that's awesome. definitely reached out outside of this country. But um, so on December 1st, 1955, Rosa Louise Macaulay Parks, she was a seamstress at Montgomery Fair Department store uh, right downtown Montgomery. After work, she boarded a bus about two blocks away from the museum and she sat in a section that wasn't illegal for her to sit in it was kind of not in the very back of the bus but it wasn't in the front of the bus either and on her way home it was very very crowded and about a block and a half to two blocks down a white man gets on the bus asks her to move out of her seat and she says no and he makes a big deal of it. The bus driver makes a big deal of it. She had had issues with this bus driver before. And he finally says, you know, I'm going to call the police. And Rosa Parks said, you may do that. <sighs> so the police come and they don't really ask her to get up. I mean, they do, but they also forcefully take her off the bus that day. She is arrested. She goes to jail. She's not there very long. 
and then the bus boycott kind of begins. Everything just kind of clicks into place and, you know, almost 50,000 people start mobilizing within four days. So she was actually arrested right outside of your building? She was. That the museum is located, right? Yeah, so right outside her front doors, there's a historic marker there. Wow. So prior to this encounter with James Blake, who was the, the bus driver, she had other encounters with him as well? Yes, she'd had one other known encounter with him that wasn't so pleasant where it was kind of a similar situation and um, I believe she had paid her fare and she'd gotten off and he made her go to the back of the bus because the fare machine was actually at the front of the bus so you would need to go to the front pay your fare and then if you were black african-american you would need to get off the bus and go to the back and a lot of times bus drivers would just take their money and drive off oh wow that was an issue during that time as well. Okay, after the arrest, I guess we can go down two paths here. Uh, the path yeah. of Rosa Parks, but also the path of the, the bus. Let's let's first start with that. So this started a boycott of the bus lines. Tell us a little about that. The bus boycott began on December 5th, 1955. So just four days later, that was the same day of Rosa Parks' trial. And the buses are going empty around the city. No one is getting on them. And the city is like, we didn't think this was going to actually work, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they were threatening it, but a few days went on, a week went on. They're like, oh no, they're still staying off of these. What can we do? The MIA, the Montgomery Improvement Association, went to the city and said, hey, you know, if you meet with us on these three things, we'll call off the boycott. All you have to do is just make sure that bus drivers are considerate. (laughs) Uh, Black bus drivers are going through Black neighborhoods. And seating would be on a first-come, first-served basis. So what would have happened, like if this were to pass and Rosa Parks were to refuse her seat again, there would have been theoretically no problem with that. But the city was like, no, absolutely not. We don't want to meet with you on any of these. So it continued on for 382 days. 382 day boycott. Now, wasn't Parks also arrested because of this boycott in in the organization of all this? Yes, thank you so much for asking that. A lot of people don't realize that they associate her fingerprinting photo and her mugshot photo with her first arrest. And um, we don't have any photos from her first arrest. All we have of that is uh, her fingerprint card, which is what's housed in the museum right now for December 1st through December 17th. So in February of 1956, 89 of the boycotters who were kind of instrumental to the organization of the boycott, like um, the mass meetings and the carpooling and things like that, There was an arrest warrant put out on them uh, because of a 1921 statute that essentially said that it was illegal to cause financial pain to an organization. So it's illegal to protest, basically. (laughs) So very against the First Amendment, but they didn't really talk about that in 56. So these 89 people, before they were... They, before they turned themselves in, they actually like put on their Sunday best, so dresses, suits, hats, and went and had their photo made in front of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, which was the church that Dr. King was the pastor of. And they had this really nice photo of them made, and this is the day that you get the famous photo of Rosa Parks being fingerprinted in her mugshot. And I like to point out that photo um, 
in the museum. So if you were in the museum with me, I would make sure to emphasize the way that these people are dressed, especially because there are some men in military uniform. And the reason that they wanted to have on these really nice clothes is because the media was portraying them as no good thugs, which, you know, I can't imagine calling Dr. King that today. Right. So uh, let's talk a little about the museum. Tell us a little about the the museum itself. Sure. So um, like you said, we're located at the arrest site of Rosa Parks. My favorite part of the museum is our second room, and we call it our reenactment room. In it, we have an original 1955-56 Montgomery Line bus, and it's meant to look like you're standing outside of the museum, but it's the evening of December 1st, 1955. And you see her whole arrest happen just as if you're standing on the sidewalk. Oh, wow. It is so amazingly well done. And like it kind of gives me goosebumps thinking about it even because not just that it's such a cool interactive type thing in a museum, but the fact that you just get even more of kind of an odd feeling being there and you're not sure exactly what time period you're in. It's the 65th anniversary. What are you doing this year? I know it's 2020, so things are a little bit tougher with uh, COVID, but uh, what are you guys doing this year to celebrate the 65th anniversary? If you're in Montgomery, we have free admission December 1st through December 5th, but if you're not in Montgomery, that is okay. We are also having a free admission for our virtual tours, um, which will be December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And we have information on those on our websites, as well as our Facebook page and Instagram, wherever you can find us online, pretty much. And I'll put a link to that website in the description of the podcast so that everybody can find it as well. So we've not done virtual tours before. So if you will please bear with us as we're trying to figure (laughs) this out, uh, because like you said, 2020. Um, right. <laughs> but there will be live walkthroughs of the museum, like you're getting a guided tour, which we're not even offering guided tours right now because of the pandemic. So this is going to be special. And then we'll have a, about a 10 minute Q&A at the end of the walkthrough. And it's over Zoom. So, you know, it's completely live. It's not like you'll be watching a recording of one of us. Oh, going wow, that's the cool. Museum. Um, oh, that's really cool. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to sign up for one of those. <laughs> and again, bear with us because it, since it will be live, there will probably be a couple of glitches. I'm not trying to cheat <laughs> it or anything, but... Hey, live makes it fun. You never know what's going to happen, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what we're doing the week. And then on December 5th, we're having Meta Ellis, who is the daughter of Jean Ellis Gratz and Reverend Robert Gratz. Uh, She's going to come and speak at the museum on what it was like to be a child during the bus boycott, because she has a completely different perspective than what her parents, you know, have on that time in history, because they were neighbors to Rosa Parks, and uh, she remembers their house being bombed and a lot of other things that happened. Uh, So she'll be speaking with us on Saturday, and I'll probably live stream that. I haven't said that anywhere, but... I'll definitely live stream that to our Facebook page. Awesome. Well, if you do, let us know so we can share that with everyone as well. Let's talk just, you know, real quick here about just the um, the legacy of Rosa Parks and after this event, you know, the, the years after this happened and, and what she did uh, the rest of her life. In 1957, she actually moved out of Montgomery to Detroit, Michigan, because uh, she and Raymond were getting so many death threats. A lot of people 
think of the boy bus boycott as being this really peaceful movement. And it was if you were on one side of it. If you were on the other, there was a lot of violence going on, um, especially in 57, um, after you know the Supreme Court ruled that segregating buses was unconstitutional. That made a lot of people in Montgomery angry, and they started shooting at buses, um, setting off bombs in different buildings around the city, people's houses, things like that. So she and Raymond ended up moving to Detroit, Michigan, and they still faced a lot of adversity there. It was hard for her to find a job. What I've heard is that the CEO of Little Caesars is the one who financially helped them out for a while until she finally got a job. Oh, I did not know that. So definitely buy Little Caesars pizza. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just doing um, speaking engagements all throughout the country. She did come back down to Montgomery for the March from Selma to Montgomery, which is 10 years later. She also helped organize the Women's March on Washington, which happened at the same time as the famous March on Washington. However, sexism was very alive and well in the 60s. And so the women weren't allowed to march with the men. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so Jeez. she helped organize oh the Women's March on Washington. And she also helped Planned Parenthood. She was on the board for Planned Parenthood. Uh, she also worked with sexual assault investigations and on domestic violence issues. So before the boycott began, she was actually the sexual assault investigator for the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP. A lot of people just know her for the bus, you know, but she did so much throughout her life. She's a really amazing woman. Yeah, she is. And there's actually a really good book that covers I mean it extensively covers her life um it's called the rebellious life of Mrs. Rosa Parks and it's by Dr. Theo Harris uh, if you want to learn more as well we've got these virtual tours and these events happening this week for you to check out and again links will be in the description of the podcast for all of that hey, thank you so much for uh teaching us about Rosa Parks today of course yeah thank you so much for having us and you know that's our mission and our goal as a museum is to make sure her legacy of you know preaching nonviolence and integration stays alive and that is needed you know almost now in 2020 just as much as it was in 1955. Yes, yes, it is. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, we will put the links, as I mentioned, in the description of the podcast and on our website as well. All right. Let's take a look at our birthdays for today. Richard Pryor was born on this day back in 1940. He passed away in 2005. Woody Allen turns 85 today. Darlene Sameo turns 39 again. As Sarah Silverman turns 50. Zoe Kravitz is 32. And the drug lord. Yeah, I'm saying happy birthday to uh, Pablo Escobar. <laughs> he, he would have been 71 today. He died in 1993. That's your look at December 1st. Thanks for listening to This Is Today. We do our best to pull together all the correct information. If we made a mistake and you heard it, you're super smart and we're super sorry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five star if you think we deserve it. If you'd like to make sure that we cover something on a future episode, let us know. Just go to our website. This is todaypodcast.com to make suggestions, give us feedback, and see our other podcasts. I hope you enjoyed learning about today. I'm Russ, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.